All right. Good morning uh, to you, uh, Lord's Love Church. It's good to see you again online uh, on this beautiful Sunday morning. Uh, it's beautiful in our part of Vancouver anyways. I'm not sure where you're watching in from. Uh, there's the sun is shining uh, down on us this morning. My name is Doug. I'm the English ministry pastor here at Lord's Love Church and welcome to our Zoom service once again as we're doing this thing online, our Sunday service online. And it reminds us again that the church is the people and not so much the building or even the service. Uh, but it's you, the people, as you gathered this morning, we make up the church along with the millions in the world uh, this morning, gathering here on Palm uh, Sunday. I just want to give a special uh, shout out and thank you uh, if you are working uh, to support our city uh, right now. If you're in essential uh, services, whether you're working in a restaurant, a grocery store, you're a truck driver, a police officer, uh, you're an ECE, uh, you're a teacher, whatever it is, uh, thank you for doing uh, what you're doing and in, um, in, in keeping our city and supporting our city, being on the front lines or in the back, uh, supporting our city uh, in the best way that you know uh, how. I also want to give a special shout out to you if you're a frontline worker in the hospital. Uh, thank you for what uh, you are doing. Uh, when the world and the, many of us are pulling back and staying home and trying to stay safe and out of what's happening in the world, you are running straight into uh, the chaos. Uh, you're running straight into um, the mess and bringing healing and brokenness and peace uh, and, and, uh, and ultimately joy uh, to, to our city and serving our city uh, in this way. So thank you for doing uh, what you're doing. And I, I've heard uh, just from different stories around the city how some people are living in their basements now because they want to separate themselves from uh, from the rest of their family because they work at the hospital. So they want to remove themselves and keeping their family members safe. Uh, some people have even rented their own Airbnb to separate themselves altogether because they're going into the hospital week after week. Uh, so thank you for doing what you're doing uh, and serving our city and, and, uh, and fulfilling the call uh, that God has on you uh, at this time. Uh, because ultimately, it really does draw close to the heart of God. And as we talk about this morning, Palm Sunday, as Jesus draws close to Jerusalem, as he comes into the thick of things and into a people that may or may not understand him ultimately, that Jesus uh, is drawing close to his people. And that is the heart of God, that he goes to people, uh, he goes to the brokenhearted, he goes to those that need, need him. And so you as a frontline worker and the way that you're serving in essential services, you are living out the heart of God at this moment when people are pulling out, but you are going in and serving. I also think of uh, something that happened this week or the week before uh, with the ships in the U.S. I think of USS uh, Mercy pulling into L.A., was it? And also USS Comfort pulling into New York. Uh, these medical ships carrying 1,000 beds uh, equipped to meet medical and surgical needs uh, to the people. And when everyone else is pulling out, these men and women are going into the thick of things, going into the chaos, going into a place where no one really wants uh, to be. And this morning on Palm Sunday, as we recall the story of the triumphal entry, as Jesus goes into Jerusalem, uh, we see this heart that God has. We see this is what God does. He doesn't run away. He doesn't run away from the chaos. He doesn't, he's not scared of the brokenness. He doesn't leave us on our own, but ultimately he goes in when everyone else pulls away. And the big idea this morning is this, that Jesus is a king who comes close. Very simple, that Jesus is a king that comes close. And why is that important? Because if you're like me at this time um, in life, especially in this moment, uh, there doesn't seem to be a lot 
to really live for or when everything is stripped away at the end of the day, when everything's taken away, there's doesn't really seem, seem like there's a reason for, for life anymore. All our daily uh, ups and downs, our daily uh, ins and outs, I mean, uh, are taken away and stripped away from us. And you start asking questions like, does any of this even matter in life? Uh, is anything that we, I've been doing before really, really that important? And at this moment, uh, in this time of, uh, of the pandemic, it's horrifying to see that people are dying without knowing Jesus. Uh, it's horrifying to know that there are people wandering on this earth, wondering if there's a purpose to their life as well. And it's in the midst of this, on this Palm Sunday, we're reminded, well, it does matter. matter your life matters so much that, that God will come to you. Uh, that God will come into your life, that God will speak into your life, that God will come down, uh, not only to earth, but, it, but to come close to you, into your mess, into your brokenness, into your uncertainty, into the things that, that cause you so much pain, that God is with you at this moment. And that's what we see this morning uh, in Luke uh, 19. Uh, Michelle did a wonderful job reading the passage there, and you can flip to Luke chapter 19, verse uh, 28 to 40. That's where we are at today. And we see that Jesus is not only a king that comes close, but he's also the king of reconciliation. Uh, that reconciliation meaning to draw, uh, to bring two pieces together, two parts together. He reconciles us in humanity. And on this Palm Sunday, or also known as the triumphal entry, as you read in your, in your Bibles, it marks the beginning of, of the Holy Week, where today Jesus goes into Jerusalem, and on Thursday he gets arrested, and then on Friday ultimately crucified for us. And then we rejoice and look forward to Sunday on Resurrection uh, Sunday. But here in this passage here today in Luke 19, we read of Jesus coming to Jerusalem where people are laying down palm branches. They're taking off their cloaks and laying down on the road in honor of him, recognizing that he is king, acknowledging that he's the God that uh, they're following, the king that they're looking for. But it will turn later this week where they this, this celebration and this um, acknowledgement of him turns into mocking and, and beating and, and a misunderstanding of who he is that ultimately leads him leads Jesus uh, to his death. Uh, they're expecting an other kind of king. But if you understand Jesus, if you truly know Jesus and this God that we follow, he's, Jesus an, is an even better king than you, what you've been asking for, what you're looking for, anything else you can find in this world. And Jesus is a king that comes close to us into your situation, but he's also a king that draws close to his enemies, as we see here in Jerusalem. He goes close to people that are ultimately going to mock him and beat him, spit on him, and abuse him and, and, and crucify him. And that makes us think about the broken relationships in our lives. As we talk about reconciliation and drawing close and bringing two pieces together, we think of the broken relationships in our lives and maybe some of the conflict uh, that's happening in your life. And how does that... Uh, match up or compared to the call that Jesus has, the life that Jesus has and the call that he has on us. Uh, Proverbs 10, 12 says this, hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers over all wrongs. And we see that in Jesus, that he lives that out perfectly. His life displays this. He lives out this life of reconciliation, that Jesus is the king that comes close. And we're reminded of that uh, in Palm Sunday. Uh, and as I read from uh, Luke 19, 28 to 29, we see this right from the very beginning of this passage here. And I'll read it for us again. Uh, after Jesus had said this, as he was talking to his disciples, as he called Zacchaeus at uh, the tax uh, collector, uh, the, uh, he, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And as he approached Bethage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, 
Uh, let's just pause there for a second in the first two verses. I want to highlight the phrase, uh, he went on ahead, uh, in the middle of verse uh, 28 there. That word for went on ahead means literally he's went forward. Uh, he went ahead. And as we think about reconciliation, as we think about how Jesus is the king that comes close, we see this, that Jesus, he leads the way in this. He went on ahead of his disciples. It was his initiation that he leads the way into this reconciliation. He leads the way into uh, bringing two parts together into this relationship. No one forces him to do it. Uh, he does it on, is in, in his own will. Uh, we see in Hebrews that he's the author and the perfecter of our faith, that he leads the way in this reconciliation and bringing us closer to God, that he leads the way in that. And this is true for us right now. In this moment, in this time, in this pandemic, God is leading the way. Uh, that God meets us where we're at and in our situations. Uh, even This is true even if you don't feel it. This is true even if you don't uh, see it. Uh, this is true even if you don't know it yet. Like He's with you right now. He's leading the way. He's ready on the way to, to you right now. He's with you in your anxieties. He's with you in your pain. He's with you in your doubts. He's with you in your waiting. He's with you in this time of uncertainty and in this time of unknown. Like God is leading the way in that. And he's already on the way. He's already reaching out to you and calling out to you. And do, do you see that? Uh, do you see how he's drawing close? Do you feel that even and understand that in, in, in your life? Because God is on the move and he's coming in close. Uh, he's on a mission, as we see with the entry. He's on a mission for his people to know him. He's on a mission to save his people. He's on a mission ultimately to go on to the cross and to die for humanity, to die for you and to die for me, to reconcile humanity uh, to God. And this is all true this morning. Whether you're joining into a Sunday service for the first time or not, you heard this a million times or this for the first time, this is all true whether you're you can make sense of it or not. Uh, this is true whether you feel it or, or understand it because this is what God has done. Because this is also true because sometimes the way God brings about reconciliation is this doesn't make sense to us. Like the ways of God and how he brings us closer to him, how he brings healing and love and joy and peace, it doesn't ultimately always make sense to us. The ways of God doesn't always make sense. And we see this as we continue on in the passage, uh, the second part of verse 29. Uh, we read this, he sent two of his disciples, so he went on ahead, but he, then he stopped. And then he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And as you enter it, you will find a cult tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it, bring it here. If anyone asks you, why, you, uh, why are you untying it? Say the Lord needs it. Uh, just think about the situation uh, for a moment. Imagine if you are one of the disciples and this is the command, this is uh, the instruction that Jesus has given uh, to you. Imagine that you're in their shoes right now. It's just so strange, right? Jesus is walking along the way. He's leading the way. And all of a sudden he stops and says, you got to go and fetch this donkey. Uh, go get this donkey. And if anyone asks you for it, uh, just say the Lord needs it and everything will be okay. And imagine for you, is that enough information for you? It isn't for me. <laughs> like, like, okay, and like, is there something else? Should I show an ID card? You know, like a little greeting or like something like, you know, like this doesn't make a whole lot of sense, Jesus, what you're doing right now and the ways that you, you are working, working. Like what if there's that grandpa with a shotgun on the rocking chair right in front? And you know, what am I supposed to say then? Right? Like, Jesus, the Lord needs it. Don't shoot me. Like, I don't know. Like, what do you want me to do? Um, 
a few notes on this that this is this comment here this 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 uh, uh, this passage here is not prescriptive meaning it's for everyone to do but it's descriptive it's it's describing what happened it's describing the instructions that Jesus gave uh, to his disciples so we shouldn't be going around doing this just grabbing things and just say the Lord needs it uh, and unless really God called you into that situation, this is not a, a one size fit all kind of kind of scenario. A second, uh, Jesus isn't condoning a theft, theft, theft. He's not saying stealing donkeys is okay. You know, just go around stealing donkeys, and that's what you should be doing. He's not saying that. Uh, it may be uh, describing to us Jesus's uh, supernatural abilities that he knows that this will be enough. That he knows who he's going to talk to and just say the Lord needs it, and that person would know. Maybe that's what it points to. But I think he, he, there's some hints here. Like he, he's in Bethany, he's in Bethage, and it shows us that he's been there before, that he has connections, he has relationships there, he has friends. And have you ever had that friend where they've said to you, if you ever need anything, just let me know. Right? Have you ever said that? You ever had that friend that said that? You've said that to someone else? If you ever need anything, just let me know. Maybe this is just one of those cases uh, that this is the case, the time when we needed something and they let them know this is what happens. And it, it, we get a hint here where all they had to say was the Lord needs it. And that person understands the Lord. I know exactly who you're talking about. Uh, this is my opportunity to serve. This is my opportunity to, to give. And as strange as this is, we can find ourselves in you know, a, a similar situation for us here, here today, where, where what God calls you to do doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but how are you acting out in this time, in this moment? what God is asking of you. Are you saying, no, that doesn't make a lot of sense. So I'm just going to sit here and do nothing. Are you following through with faith and, and, and living your life of faith and following what God is calling you to do? And this might be at this moment to reach out to a person. It might be uh, in the past or maybe in the future to move to the city, go to the school, give up your finances, give up your job and pursue this other career. Maybe it might not make a whole lot of sense, but that's what God's calling you to do. Uh, and maybe in other things in terms of like, decisions you need to make for your family. I don't know what it is, but what is your first initial reaction where you're saying, this is just foolish. This doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Or are you saying, God, okay, I'm going to listen uh, with, and I'm going to follow through uh, with faith because just because you don't understand it doesn't mean it's not from God. Um, the ways of God don't always make sense to us, but God knows exactly what he is doing. And you don't know how he's going to use your strengths and you don't know how he's going to use your weaknesses. You don't know how he's going to use that job loss, uh, that broken relationship, that breakup, that sickness that you're going through. You don't know how God is going to use that and what good things God has coming out of the brokenness uh, of your situation. And sometimes God uses good circumstances. Sometimes it's terrible circumstances. Sometimes it's uh, what it takes, right? Like right now, collectively as a city, as a nation, as a world going through something like this for us to realize that he's real, that he's alive, that he's moving, that he's calling us back to him. But whether it makes sense to us or not, Jesus is a king who comes close to you at this moment. He doesn't just throw random things out there, but he draws close to us. He's a king who brings you into the process as well, though he leads the way. Though he leads into the future, though he's leading the way in this healing, in this fight, uh, in, in this reconciliation of bringing us closer to God, he brings you into this. He brings you into the process. And could you imagine the disciples, right? Like we read of this, like he goes down and then they ask them, like, why do you need this? And it says the Lord needs it. And they're like, okay, 
take it. Can you imagine like the disciples walking away and kind of, you know, smiling to themselves like, wow, that actually worked. Like I didn't actually have the faith to believe. And the other disciples like, well, I believed it all along. I don't know about you. But in that sense, we, we see here that the faith step that it takes here, imagine the faith that it took and how they grew from this. So a question for us this morning on Palm Sunday is Jesus is drawing close to Jerusalem and he's uh, teaching his disciples about faith. Like what needs to be untied in your life, uh, in, in your life right now where God is needing to use it? Something that you're still holding on to, but you're saying, no, like God, that, that's, I'm not letting go right now uh, because it's still mine. Or you're saying, I'm going to let go. I'm going to untie that quote unquote donkey in your life and allow God to use that donkey. Uh, what situation might it be that you're still holding on to? What possession or maybe an attitude or emotion that you haven't exactly let go of? Like God is saying, hey, you got to untie that. You got to release that and allow me to take it uh, and, and, to, and to use it. Or are you making demands that it, it belongs to you, that it's mine to keep, it's mine to fester in, it's my situation, and I'm just going to uh, um, not talk to anyone about it or bring it to the Lord. I'm, I'm just going to um, take it in all on my own. And we see here a donkey owner didn't say the donkey is mine, but they, they let go of that, of that donkey. Uh, because ultimately, uh, just like that friend uh, who might have said, Lord, if you ever need anything, just let, 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 let me know. Uh, some of us have also said that before uh, to Jesus. You know, God, I give you my life. I give you my all. We sing songs, I'll build my life upon you and everything that, 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 that you are. But when God asks for something specific, you're saying, ah, I'm not sure. You know, I'm not sure about that. I don't know if I, I really want to give that up. But God is bigger than our understanding. He's bigger than our scenarios. He's bigger than what we're suffering through. He's bigger than this pandemic. And God knows what he's doing. And he's with you through it all. Because Jesus is the king that draws close. But we've got to ask this question. The why, why is Jesus so cryptic? Right? Like, like why tell the disciples like go on and talk to this guy and say this like why not just go on ahead and walk with them and or give some a little bit more evidence like why is jesus in this way we've got to ask this question what what's the significance of what's going on uh what what's so triumphant about riding on this donkey uh going into jerusalem what's so special about this donkey anyways well Luke and Mark, uh, they don't discuss the significance of the donkey very much, but we get this in Matthew and John because they quote Zechariah 9.9, and it's part of Handel's Messiah. You know Handel's Messiah, that song where they sing, hallelujah. You know that song. I'm not going to sing the rest of it. Uh, but you, you, you know that song. It's actually made it into uh, that, that song. And from Zechariah 9.9, uh, the, the, the passage, the prophet uh, says this, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So in Jesus riding on this mule or this donkey into Jerusalem, it does fulfill a prophecy. A prophecy of years, thousands of years before uh, of, of Jesus, uh, of this Messiah coming. Uh, but we also know about donkeys is this, that is also known as uh, a donkey isn't only an animal of strength, but it was also an animal ridden on by non-military personnel. Uh, so as people uh, ride into a battle with war horses, uh, though the donkey is strong, uh, is not meant to be ridden into uh, into a war with like imagine people riding on war horses and then the guy riding on a donkey uh, going into uh, into battle he, so it's ridden by non-military personnel but it was an animal of of strength 
Uh, and we see this in 2 Samuel 18.9, cross-reference, a fun passage for you to look up, where Absalom, uh, the third son of David, uh, he's riding on a donkey. He's royalty, he's nobility. He's riding on a donkey, but he, his, his, he gets caught up in this tree, and then he ultimately dies, which some people kind of foreshadow the death of the Messiah, uh, of Jesus. Um, but anyway, 2 Samuel 18.9, you can read that on your own. But we see that no, the point is there that nobility gets to ride on the mule. It's not, um, it's lo, it's not exactly lowly, but nobles also ride on this. So why is that important about this donkey? Well, it's because it shows to us that Jesus is of nobility, that as he rides on this donkey, that he is this king uh, that's riding into uh, Jerusalem. Uh, that, uh, that even though we understand Jesus is king, uh, yes, but it also tells us uh, how he rides into Jerusalem also tells what kind of king he is, if that makes sense, uh, as I'm, what I'm trying to explain right now. Uh, how he comes to you, how he draws close to us as king of the universe also describes uh, and explains something very important about the relationship he's hoping to have. Because Zechariah, uh, his prophecy is of a gentle king, right? Uh, coming into Jerusalem, riding on a donkey. Uh, but this king they describe is also one that will ultimately defeat chariots and war horses. And this Jesus, as we know from Revelations 19, he's the same Jesus that ultimately will come on this white war horse of uh, Revelations 19. But at this moment, he's coming as the king, uh, as a Messiah, uh, as a sign of peace, as a sign of hope. It's a sign of, I've come not to destroy, but I've come to draw near, come to reconcile. And with this donkey never uh, ever being ridden on and it's unblemished, it's consecrated for a specific use, uh, for God's use, uh, there's an ancient tradition that says that uh, the animals that the king rides on is never to be used before. So when Jesus says this, he's declaring to his disciples and declaring to everyone in Jerusalem and anyone that sees him that this, I am the king that you've been looking for. And this is good news. I am the king that you have been desperately yearning for in this time of brokenness, in this time of mourning and yearning, that I am the one you have been looking for, that Jesus is declaring himself to be king. And that's why it's so triumphant, that Jesus is a king that draws close to his people. And we're reminded of this on Palm Sunday again, that he's declaring himself over king over the city in Jerusalem, over his people, but he's also declaring himself to be king over over your situation, over your context, over your pain, over your circumstances, over your loss, over your sickness. He is king above all. That Jesus declaring himself as king over anything and everything because there's nothing above God. And that is the God that we follow and the Jesus that we, we believe in, that he's riding into Jerusalem, declaring that to anyone that sees him. And he's declaring that to you this morning, that he's the king that draws close that he's not some, 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 some God out there that's just is sitting on a throne laughing and mocking, but he's come close to us. He's a king over your situation. And we see that as we continue on in verses 35 to 36, and the people acknowledge that and they recognize that. And they, and they brought it, verse 35, they brought it to Jesus, threw the donkey to Jesus, threw the cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. And as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. That doesn't talk too much about palm branches, but they also did that as well. That Luke doesn't record it here, but with cloaks and palm branches, branches is acknowledgement of royalty. And it was a, a when they say through their cloaks, it was an understanding. It was a continuous kind of action. 
that they continuously threw these cloaks onto the, onto the ground to acknowledge that he is God, that he is king. And it goes on in verse 37, when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Now they're quoting Psalm 118 here, but these are shouts of messianic phrases. Shouts of declaring that this is the Messiah that they have been looking for. We see verse 38 there that's blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. In Matthew, the book of Matthew chapter 21, it says, Hosanna to the son of David. And then in John 12, they bless and declare that he's the king of Israel. So these are phrases that declare that he is the one that we've been looking for. He's the one that's come to save. He's the king that ultimately is over our situations. It's undeniable in, in the, the phrases that are being shouted to who this God is. But in verse 39, the Pharisees, they see it a little bit differently. The Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Rebuke them because they're declaring you. They acknowledge that they hear what they're saying. These are messianic phrases. So he's saying, Jesus, you know, re rebuke your disciples of this. Uh, and Jesus says this in verse 40, I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Though Jesus is a king who comes close, though some of us today, just like in the Pharisees back in the day, there are some of us that don't want him. Even though Jesus comes close to us, he's the king of reconciliation, even though he's come close into the city, into our lives, there are some who reject him, some that don't want him. And for, the reason, for a few reasons, some of them are expecting a different kind of king. Maybe they want a political advantage of them saving them politically and rescuing them from the situation they're in. Maybe they're expecting Jesus to be a king that provides physically and physical resources. Though God does bless in that way, that's not the only way that he promises. He never promises an easy life for those that follow him. Uh, maybe for, for those that uh, declare, um, are having trouble declaring Jesus as king is because they're trusting in themselves and trusting in their own strength, their own ways. And maybe we don't think Jesus knows what we need, but we think we know what we need best. And whenever uh, there is this kind of rubbing of different kingdoms, there will be a clash. And Jesus is saying, hey, whether you praise me or not, this, even if you keep quiet, the stones will cry out. And, and, and what is our understanding uh, of that? Well, there's an understanding that Jewish writings that mentions that mute stones, they bear witness when sins have been committed. So when they say that stones keep quiet or, or the stones will cry out is saying that uh, it's declaring a sin has been committed. So the sin that's been committed in this sense is that, uh, that offer that praise wasn't offered when praise was due that the stones understood this, that there was a praise of who God ought to be, but they're not praising him. They're not acknowledging him. They're not, that's the sin that's going on here. They're not declaring who, who God is. And the stones will cry this out. Mute stones will cry and declare this out. And this was a Jewish writing. So the Pharisees would have understood this very, very clearly in what he is saying. But this is true for us here today of what God offers. Whatever you're looking for at this moment, whatever you're looking for, for in this pandemic, in this time of loss and suffering, in this time of isolating and this time of longing, uh, what God offers is better and greater than anything you could ever search for in this world. 
He's better and greater than anything this world can offer. God can offer this peace and this hope like no other. Ultimately, he offers this salvation for our souls, this eternity, uh, that this contentment, this satisfaction in our souls that nothing else in this world can ever compare to. And the presence of Jesus and his kingship will always rub up against whatever kingdoms is going on in your lives. Always rub up against it. And this is the time right now where we're experiencing that, where these idols are being knocked down. Idols meaning anything that's above God, that we've placed above God, are being knocked down. And Jesus, reminded again of this morning and the triumphal entry, that Jesus won't be king if we don't give up our crowns too. That we won't give up whatever it is that we're following whatever it is that we've been yearning for. And again, maybe it's a crown of control. It's a crown of self-sufficiency, the crown of material goods, whatever it is, we got to lay it down acknowledgement of who this Jesus is. And this blows my mind that even for those that mock him, that ultimately will mock him and spit on him and beat him, even for the Pharisees that don't understand and saying you should rebuke your disciples, even for those people that reject Jesus, I want you to hear this. Even though they reject them, even in the midst of all that, Jesus still comes close to them. That Jesus still has this heart of reconciliation. That Jesus still went in and loved them and died for them. Even for us in this moment, even in our brokenness, even in our rejection of Jesus and the ways that we've denied him, even in the ways that we, we are faithless towards him, he is still faithful towards us that he still loves you, that he's still drawing close to you, that Jesus is the king that comes close, even if you don't understand it this morning, even with everything going on in this world. That we know that Jesus is on that donkey riding in Jerusalem, ultimately towards his death, that he's saying, I'm still, even if you don't understand it, I'm still going to go on that cross. I'm still going to go and die for humanity. I'm still going to love you when you reject me. I'm still going to draw close to you, even though you are pushing me away, because that is the God that I am, that I'm going to come close to you. I'm going to know you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to walk alongside of you. And I'm going to keep calling to you. I'm going to keep calling to you, even though you might give up. I never will give up on you. And on this Palm Sunday, we're reminded that Jesus ultimately reveals his kingship how he rules and reigns over all things, because we got to remember this, whether you know him or not, whether you understand him or not, Jesus was not crucified for his good works, but he was crucified for declaring to be king, for declaring to be king over this world, for being the savior, for being the one that we're looking for. And ultimately went on the cross for you and for me to draw us close to him, to reconcile us to God forever. So a couple points as I end here, what does it mean for us that Jesus is king? Uh, what does it mean that Jesus is the God that comes close to us? And I think firstly, we have to understand, some of you need to understand this, that Jesus is on the move. You think that God is just sitting back, not doing anything, but he's on the move. He's drawing close to you at this moment, if not already in with us right now, right beside you, in your room, in your living room, in wherever it is that you're listening to, that God is there with you right now and everything is moving towards his good that it is in control. Uh, secondly, that there's a hope in the moment. You might be feeling hopeless. You might be weary. You might be tired from uh, whatever it is that you're suffering through. Maybe it's mental health. Maybe it's from your job loss. Maybe it's from your health. Maybe it's just the psychological toll on your heart and, and, the, and the toll on your heart, excuse me, from what you're going through uh, at, at this moment. Uh, but there's hope. 
there's hope in our disappointments and in our uncertainties, that this is what we're reminded of this morning. But also thirdly, that we're reminded of what's to come, that we're excited for what's to come, that whatever you're going through right now pales in comparison for the eternity that waits for us to know Jesus. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm, so, I'm not sure about you, but I'm so thankful for whatever we're experiencing now, the lows, but even the joys of life pale in comparison to when we're in heaven with God forever in the streets of gold where there's no more dancing, no more crying, no more pain, no more fears, no more tears. And what we have right now pales in comparison to what waits for us in, in heaven, in eternity. And I hope that brings excitement to you today. I hope that brings you joy today in our suffering, in our joys, that this is not it, that there's so much more waiting for you than there is what you're going through right now. But maybe even on a more practical note for you, what relationships need to be restored? That Jesus died for the criminals, that Jesus reconciled those that do not yet know him and rejected him. He took those steps. So what is the first step for you that you need to take towards reconciliation? Uh, that God is calling you towards in terms of being a minister of peace, minister of reconciliation. And as we know today, as we're reminded today of Jesus as the king that draws close, how can you be a person that draws close to others as well in bringing the hope and peace and love and joy that you have experienced from Jesus? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the goodness of your word. We thank you, Jesus, that you don't leave us on our own, but you know us and you love us and you choose to draw close to us even though we reject you. Father, this morning as we remember and celebrate on Palm Sunday, you are the king that comes near to us. And we declare once again with our hands lifted high, with our hearts open, that Jesus, you are king of our lives and may all the other kingdoms, may all the other idols just come crashing down in our life again this morning we, as we declare your rightful place, that you're a king over our lives. And because you're a king, you're in control. So we don't have to fear. We don't have to fear what waits us in the future. We don't have to fear the, the present and in the moment, but we know that you're a God and in control and you're giving us hope and love and joy and peace. And may our people this morning, this experience that once again, that you're a good God, that you're a good King. And may we put our trust in you. In Jesus name we pray. Amen.